For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Fangirl Nation, and Happy New Year. We are back with Get My Job on Believe, and we have a great episode to start the year, as I am joined by Buffalo Bills reporter for the Buffalo News, Catherine Fitzgerald. Catherine talks about earning trust as a reporter, avoiding burnout just for the sake of burnout, telling a story so readers feel like they're there, and so much more. Catherine is insightful and funny, so you don't want to miss this one. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. Catherine, welcome to Get My Job. I have been following you for quite some time uh, when you were in Arizona before, and I know we're going to get into your journey, but you just are so good at what you do. You're also hilarious, so (laughs) I end up laughing all the time on Twitter. So, so excited to talk to you today. So welcome to Get My Job. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I think we will have a lot of fun. So I just mentioned Arizona. So sorry, guys, spoiler alert. Uh, But I'm going to have you talk a little bit about your professional journey and how you got to Buffalo. And then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So how did how did you get started in this in this crazy world we work in? Yeah, it was kind of um, an interesting journey, not particularly straightforward, even though, you know, now I work as a newspaper beat reporter, which is a job that's been around for so long. I took kind of a weird path to get there. Um, So I actually, I went to North Carolina and was a photojournalism major there, but mostly focused in video, doing more video documentary um, so they had, yeah, they had a really great program. The professors there and other students were all so incredible. Um, and I loved it, but I graduated, ended up starting at NFL films with their seasonal internship. So like was still thinking I would do sports documentary, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it, but started realizing it wasn't exactly the right fit for me. Um, you know, had a good experience, worked on stories I really enjoyed, learned so much, but was just still trying to figure out kind of the right fit in the industry. Um, Went back to Carolina, worked in the athletic department for a little bit, doing still video there. So, you know, um, a lot of deeper features and stories about players, maybe off the field a bit more than just kind of your game recaps and highlights. Mm -hmm. And eventually ended up going to grad school at Arizona State, which was really fun and learned a lot there too. And that's when I started to be like, oh, actually, you really love writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I always knew that I wanted to tell interesting stories to find out more about people and find the best ways to tell that. And it it just took a while to click of writing was probably going to be the best way for me personally to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So started to realize that was kind of what I wanted to do. Um, had an internship through Awesome, the Association for Women in Sports Media with USA Today, which was 
really wonderful and helpful um, and was all writing from that point on. And then eventually ended up at the Arizona Republic, started on the Cardinals beat, and then covered them for a few seasons before making the switch to cover the Bills this past season, uh, the night before training camp started. So (laughs) a big change, um, but it's been fun. So, um, but yeah, kind of a, a different journey. Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned that you found out the night before training camp because I remember seeing that on Twitter. And I think it's an important thing to highlight for our listeners, for those who are working in sports, that for those that want to work in sports, that opportunities come up and they come quickly. And oftentimes you have to make a very quick decision and be willing to be somewhat mobile. So could you kind of just talk about getting that call and, and how long it took for you to say yes? And it could have been five minutes, but we'd yeah. love to hear more about it. And I, it might have been a bit confusing phrasing on my part. I, the night before training camp was when I flew to Buffalo, so had Got decided, okay. a li- yeah, so had decided a little bit before that, but a really uh, short timeline. Um, particularly because at that point I was helping with our Suns coverage. Okay. Uh, the Phoenix Suns were in the NBA Finals. I had done kind of joint coverage of them and the Cardinals during my three and a half years in Arizona, and obviously we wanted everyone covering this Finals run. But so, um, interviewed for the job in Buffalo, um, like very beginning of July, found out soon after, took a little while to decide just, you know, big life decisions, Mm -hmm. wanted to give myself some space to figure out what felt right. And I am, (laughs) I take a lot of time to make decisions in general. So definitely (laughs) was just weighing everything there. Um, but then had talked to you know, the people at the Buffalo News of, hey, I understand that you want someone to start in time for training camp. I'm helping cover the Suns right now. They potentially, so it went to six games. Had it gone to seven, they would have finished one way or another that Thursday with training camp starting the following Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Um, So like a weekend in between a cross-country move. Um, So a very chaotic summer, but was there for day one of training camp. Went back to Arizona a couple weeks later to actually pack up my apartment and move and take care of some of the more logistical sides of the the job change and the the cross country move. But yeah, it was about uh, I don't know four to five weeks from the initial hey, this job is out there. We want to talk to you. To you are at Orchard Park for day one of training camp, talking to the coach, the GM, the players. So it was, um, it felt even faster than that, honestly. Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it felt like three minutes. Um, (laughs) So when you got, you got to training camp, you're coming, you're coming off of covering, you know, the NBA finals. So then I want to talk a little bit of, you know, from a reporter perspective, what tool did you learn early on that helped you kind of be able to make that switch? Because if I would imagine when you got to training camp, you did need to know something about the bills uh, in order to talk to everybody and, and to do your job effectively. However, you literally were just covering the NBA finals a few days earlier. So what tools did you have to make sure that you were as prepared as possible in that situation? Yeah, it was a huge switch. And, you know, also just kind of the personal life stuff too of, oh, my last week in Arizona, I'm trying to see some friends to say goodbye. I'm trying to tie up loose ends here. Um, What was really wonderful is um, at the Buffalo News, I have coworkers who I've really been able to lean on in that transition, um, who are both just 
really kind and helpful, but also had that institutional knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something that even when I've had it in previous jobs of people I could lean on, I used to always be like, I felt like that was a weakness to be like, oh, can you tell me more about this? Hey, I wasn't here last season. Can you fill me in on this quickly? And I've really leaned into just being like, they know it, they want to help. This is the best way forward for everyone. Um, And so, you know, there was a lot of stuff on my own too of reading up just to catch up on recent history, past history, the Bills in particular, you know, they have just over the years, so much of who the team's identity now has been based off who they've been for decades and just Mm -hmm. overcoming all of that. So I think there was a lot of, you know, catching up to speed really fast, but um, leaning more on people around me just to be like, hi, (laughs) I'm living out of a hotel and don't have a car. If you could just like quickly let me know this, that would be great. Thank you so much. And, you know, again, that's something that I don't think I allowed myself to do earlier in my career because I felt too weird about asking for help, but I, you know, it's something I would tell everyone else to do. And I've been grateful to be able to, for a rare instance, listen to my own advice there. (laughs) That's always the hardest thing to do. Seriously. (laughs) Always great to give advice. Listening to your own, no matter how good is difficult. Was there a person or situation that kind of changed that for you where you said, okay, you know what, asking for help? Because I think it's a really important thing to say, and I'm glad you're talking about it because we all need help sometimes and nobody knows everything. And I think it is important to feel comfortable doing that. But was there a certain situation or a certain person you worked with that kind of changed your mindset on that? Um, I think it was kind of looking back in retrospect to my first year on the Cardinals beat, where Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons, I just felt so out of water at the start of, um, I ended up starting covering the Cardinals during training camp of 2018. Yes, 2018. Um, And there were so many people both from the Arizona Republic where I was working, but also from other outlets who had covered that team for, you know, more than a decade. There were multiple people on the beat who had covered Larry Fitzgerald since his rookie season, which at that point was 15 years ago. And I just remember showing up to training camp and, you know, you see the rapport that people have worked so hard to build where they can catch up and just be like, oh, like, hey, person I've known for seven years how was this that you do every summer? And, Mm -hmm. you know, meanwhile, I was the only new person on the beat, the only woman on the beat, one of the youngest people on the beat and was going through just the like, hi, my name's Catherine. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Um, And I think I was so anxious to prove that I belonged there, that that's why I was afraid to ask even small questions. Um, Like even basic things of just... (laughs) where do I park? Where are these things? I was like, no, it's, I won't ask that because I I should already know that, which is incorrect. Like, of course you don't know that when you show up. Yeah. How would Um, you know that? (laughs) Right. And it was actually really refreshing this past year towards my tail end of Cardinals coverage when JJ Watt said something of like, yeah, I'm showing up early these days to figure out like, where the bathrooms are and where the parking lot is. And, you know, yes, I've been in the NFL for a decade, but you don't know that when you start somewhere new. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that is absolutely correct. But it's so nice to hear someone else say that. Athletes, um, they're just like us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think it was kind of 
by the time I got really comfortable on the Cardinals beat and realized I could have just shortcutted some things there of asking for help, that's when I was like, ah, this is what you need to do moving forward. And um, Kent Summers in particular, the columnist at the Republic who had covered the Cardinals for years and years, um, he and Bobby Mack, who was my beat partner when I started, they were both really helpful in so many ways. But, you know, I think I just remember a couple years later being like, Catherine, you were so silly for, right. for not just, you know, asking these people who were your coworkers, eventually your friends for, you know, basic things. Um, so I think that it was less of a moment and more just when I was able to look back, it was pretty clear. So from the reporting side, uh, when you, you leave NFL films and, and you do a, the uh, internship with USA Today and what are some of the important, I did a terrible job of introing that question, but that's okay. We're going <laughs> to just good. keep going with it. What were some of the early lessons you learned about reporting that you find to be invaluable? Yeah, I think a lot of it goes back to what I learned even in like my documentary video days of just earning people's trust and working to tell those stories where a lot of stuff I was doing undergrad at UNC it was a really intense video documentary program of, you know, we were expected to like be at people's houses with our cameras for these big moments in their lives or for these little moments in their lives that amount to big things. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do. That's hard to meet someone. This is even, you know, before we get to professional athletes of meet someone and be like, hi, I want to be at your house when you're getting ready for school at seven in the morning and then follow you to school with my camera and my, you know, have this mic on you and do this stuff. Cause I think your story is important to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of that, I'm still realizing now in my career, how that's helped me in ways of just showing up often enough that people trust you to tell these stories. And, you know, that's a privilege of, they're letting me into their lives for all these different moments and I'm doing it for a job, but for other reasons too, of like, let me get this story to more people. Let me tell your story in a way where others can connect with you and understand it too. I, I think that's such an important part of what we do. And um, I think those were kind of the early lessons of just showing up over and over again to earn people's trust. I like that. That's That's good. And so I guess that would go into uh, tips you would have on building relationships with sources, especially as you, you know, you're still relatively new in your position and I know very well respected, but you know, still, you still have to get to know people. Uh, And I guess that that probably fits in there as well. Are there other tips that you would have? Because I think that's one of the hardest things to do as a reporter is build relationships in a really authentic way. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard right now. I think that's been the biggest challenge of switching a job when we're still in a pandemic is Mm -hmm. trying to get to know players on a new team in a way that's often press conferences. Now it's back to zoom press conferences and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I find there's so many different ways to tell cool stories around the NFL, but I've always found that I like to do a lot of those longer things where some of it is just like observing over and over what happens. And then, you know, you get little breadcrumbs of a story of like, oh, I've seen this guy do this over and over again. I've 
I've gone to visit a hospital with him and I watched this moment happen. And this is going to show up in a story two months later. It's not even Mm going to be in something I'm writing today. And that's so much harder to have right now. So yeah, it's a good question of just kind of forming relationships, particularly in the way we're doing it now. But I, I think I've tried more and more just to be authentic to myself, which was really hard for me at the start of reporting, Mm -hmm. um, of, you know, especially just in connecting with guys of a lot of it can be lighthearted and stuff of just getting to know someone and understanding where they're coming from before you are telling bigger stories later down the road. So I think just showing up, being yourself, whoever that is, um, goes a really long way when you're getting to know someone on a level outside of just like, Hey, how's your knee feeling? Right. Me through this play, um, which, you know, is a big part of our job too, but to get that next level. Yeah. And that next level, those are the stories that are, you know, interesting to tell and fun to tell. And those are the stories people want to hear. Definitely people want to know how people's knees knees are feeling and, you know, taking through the play for sure. But it's those those extra tidbits, those extra stories that right. you know are the most interesting. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your Twitter. As I said at the top of the show, you're hilarious. The <laughs> the tweet that sticks out in my mind, whatever like I see you on Twitter or anything, uh, is the "Let Russ Postmate" tweet. Oh, but <laughs> it's one of my favorites ever. Thank you. I tweet so much that I forget a lot of them. Um, I have ADHD too. So it's oh. it's a lot of tweets and sometimes I'm just like, oh yeah, you you did say that. Um, well, and for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, uh, there is a Russell Wilson thing, let Russ cook, you know, let him just be Russ. And someone had tweeted, can we, can we stop with the let Russ cook? And Catherine tweeted, quote tweeted it and said, let Russ postmate. And I just, I thought that was hilarious. Um, so it's one of my favorite tweets ever. So I just, obviously that's just who you are and you're funny and, and all of that. But do you ever have a time on Twitter and do you have any kind of things you do if you're about to tweet something where you're like, maybe I shouldn't? Oh, absolutely. I'm very big on screenshotting a draft and sending it to friends and being like, uh-huh. is this too much? Ha ha. And there's <laughs> definitely ones that have not made it to twitter.com. Um, <laughs> and there's also some that I've sent even when friends were like, Catherine, no. I think, you know, anytime you tweet something a little um, wild and everyone just replies with your first name, like uh-huh. Catherine, period. That's when I'm like, uh, this was funny, but at what cost? Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I try to have fun with it. I, I think that I still obviously have a line of, I never want to say anything that's like too mean or too rude, but I also think sports are fun. We should have fun with it. And, um, you know, particularly I, I always enjoy to outside of the games I'm covering, you know, when there's stuff that everyone's watching at once, like I think of the last dance and how that was so Mm -hmm. half of it was like on Twitter too, of just like, what are other people saying during this? And I like that kind of collective watching of something um, and just having a conversation around it. But, but yeah, I, I spend a lot of time online, maybe (laughs) should seek a bit more balance there, but I think it's a fun way to connect with people. And I I do like that aspect of it. It is a fun way. And I totally agree with you. There is something when we're all watching the same thing, there is something cool about Twitter for all of Twitter's 
negativity and there's plenty of it, but but there's also a lot of positive to it. And that's one of those things when we're all watching the same thing and talking about the same thing, it does feel like we're just at a really big group watch party. Right. And there's something fun about that. I think especially to the last year when, you know, Mm -hmm. I was, or year plus, I was living alone and missing out on a lot of that stuff. It was like, oh, okay. Like it's not the same, but just having that, we're doing this at the same time and talking about it. uh, I like that, that way of connecting. I do too. And you know what? The internet is undefeated. The memes that came out of Last Dance and so quickly, that's what's so impressive to me. How quickly people put together these memes. I'm like, that's just not, I don't think like that. (laughs) I do. Like I'll save stuff sometimes and be like, oh, this will be, you should use this during the game this coming Sunday and then inevitably forget. Um, So my, you know, my uh, camera roll on my phone is a screenshot graveyard sometimes it feels like, but a lot of other pictures too, but I do feel like there's plenty of, I'll see a hysterical meme or like a reaction picture, save it. And then it just never <laughs> goes anywhere. I forget that I have it. I try to do, if I see something like that, I usually, I try to send it to um, the people on my fangirl social team. And I'm like, I think this would be great for a meme. I have no idea what it should yeah. say, but good luck. <laughs> That's teamwork, you know. Yes, exactly. We're- Teamwork. Give you an assist on the stats sheet for that. Absolutely. I think I should get an assist. I, you know what? I like that. Maybe not a rebound and maybe not the basket, but an assist for sure. Um, Or or a half a tackle. I get half a sack or something Something along those lines. Uh, You talked to, you mentioned the word balance a couple of minutes ago. And then you said something earlier that I wanted to come back to is when you were leaving Arizona, it sounds like the beginning of a country song, but when you were leaving Arizona and it was obviously a lot of studying and catch up to do, but you also had friends to say goodbye to and people you wanted to see. And I was just happy to hear you say that because that's such an important thing to prioritize. And if you could just talk a little bit how about finding, I, I don't want to use the word balance because I think it is a tough word, but, yeah. but I'm going to have, I think I'm going to have to kind of finding that balance where you said, okay, but there is, there's the Catherine part of my life too. There's not just the new beat reporter part of my life and, and prioritizing that for yourself. Yeah. And this is maybe another example of like, do what I say, not what I do. Cause I, <laughs> I don't think I've hit the right note there, but I think I've realized, you know, more and more that my work is better when I'm taking care of myself as a human too. Um, I think it's so easy for us to kind of get sucked down into a hole of just like, Oh, well, if I keep working, keep working, keep working, everything else is going to come together. And I, <laughs> don't know that that always works out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I don't always feel that I am doing the best job of it, but trying to find more and more ways to tend to my friendships, to keep up with friends and family, and to realize that like that's so important too. Um, and it's really hard in this industry when our hours, our schedules are weird. And I think especially too, when we're for the most part, working in a field that we really love, Mm -hmm. it's easy to then kind of use that against ourselves of like, oh, well, like, of course I'm going to skip this thing with my friends because I love what I do. But Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find more and more ways to, you know, not make work everything in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was kind of a tricky part of even deciding on the job of, oh, I'm you know, I'm not originally from Arizona, but had a really good community there. And 
I was like, do I want to leave this right now, even though this seems like an opportunity where I can grow and learn, you know, better ways to report and to write and to take next steps. But that means giving up stuff here. And that was something I weighed a lot. Um, But yeah, I think to even to go back to what we were talking about, about the stories that really matter to people, um, you know, I think a lot of those stories are ways that we we see connections with other people and that comes from also like taking care of ourselves as humans. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, don't think I totally always check all the things off of that of taking care of myself, but trying to find ways to be a bit better about that. I like that. And I think that's a really important point that you made that we are going to tell better stories if we have our own stories and our own experiences to draw from as well, because it makes it relatable to us, which makes it relatable to the people reading the stories. Yeah. And I think just finding more of those moments, um, I don't know, I see it a lot in the kind of stuff I like to read where I'm like, oh, this was so poignant. This was really beautiful of how they wove this all together. And a lot of it comes from, you know, finding those connections. So, yeah. I like that. That's, that's really that's a really important thing to highlight. So thank you for, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, switching gears a little, or actually kind of a lot. Uh, <laughs> what is a misstep that you are seeing women making when trying to break into the sports industry? I'm um, sorry. Can you say that again? I certainly can. Yeah. What is a misstep that you see women making when trying to break into the sports industry? Um, I think if I could, do things differently myself. It, it kind of goes back to the last question, actually, of just spending so much time being like, you have to always be working 100%, always running, never stop, no breaks, no days off. I, you know, objectively, when you just look at the numbers, there are so many other things that women have to overcome in this industry to get jobs, to stay in this industry when the makeup has just been so male dominated for so long. But I think for myself, I sometimes let that flip into almost like a toxic grind method of like, oh, I'm just going to like work harder and never stop and then I'll make it and then I'll be good. And, you know, to that earlier point, there were probably times where not that you don't have to work hard or work continuously to make it in this industry, but I think just like working smarter of like, Mm -hmm. I, I guess an example I would use, I double majored in college and I don't know exactly for what reason, like towards the end of it, it was in photojournalism and sports administration and really liked the sports administration side, but towards the tail end of it, when I had done a lot of the classes I was interested in and realized like, no, actually journalism is the route you're going to go for sure. I was still taking classes that, I mean, they were interesting, but not to the same level. And they weren't really going to help me with what I wanted to do. But I was just like, no, you're going to double major because you can double major and you will double major. And Mm -hmm. I like burnt myself out just to be like, oh, yeah, I double majored in college. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's kind of where that fine line is for me of work hard and do everything you can, but don't burn out just to burn out. 
Um, I think we sometimes glorify that of like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no days off, working so hard, da da da. And I think there's sometimes where it's like you didn't actually need to do that. And and this is a really hard line for people to figure out when they're finding a way into the industry. And I, it's going to look different for everyone. So it's definitely not the advice of like do less, give up. Um, but maybe just like. I don't know if I'm really phrasing this right at all, but yeah, just like finding a way is not to burn yourself out so early and because you feel like you have to, um, yeah, it could use some nuance, but that's kind of the gist. Well, I I think it's also, it's setting, setting some boundaries and also knowing when sometimes you need to burn out, like you're you're covering a team that is, you know, heading into the playoffs and potentially could go really far. So the next six weeks for you may be a time where you kind of have to burn out. Right. You know? But <laughs> but then knowing that maybe after that, you really don't. <laughs> you know, you could take a little time. You know, I think that's the thing that's knowing. Um, but I think even in the next six weeks, you I'm using you as an example because we're talking to you, but like yeah. you're gonna be a better reporter. If at some point you say, I'm putting my phone away and I'm putting my computer away and I'm going to dinner with a friend or I'm going to watch a movie or I'm just putting my phone away for the night and doing nothing else, you know, whatever it is. And I think it's it, that is an important thing because you will be better at your job. We all will for that. But also knowing that, yes, there are some times you want to or you have to put in the extra time and work and kind of burn yourself out because that's just where you are. Like when the four hours from the Super Bowl, you know, in Miami a couple years ago, that those, you know, that whole yeah. season was like, this is going to be, this is going to be it. This is, this is just going to have to do it is. And Miami was like 24 seven and, you know, it was got there Sunday, left the following Monday. So eight days in Miami. Um, and actually I said before this, I don't like talking about myself on this podcast, but this might be a good example for it. No, totally. The, this actually, Got to Miami the Sunday before, left the Monday after. That week, I had an opportunity to do a national television show, but it filmed in Los Angeles on Thursday morning. And they said um, that we want her to do it, but it has to be in LA and we have to film that Thursday morning. And we were like, well, can we do it right before she leaves? Could she do it from Miami? You know, this is before Zoom. It's like it's like right. a month before the pandemic. A month <laughs> later, they would have been like, no problem. <laughs> but it was a huge opportunity for me. And um, it was my first national thing and it was, it combined like the lifestyle and sports. So it was like very on brand for fangirl. So I made the decision. I had to fly back to LA Wednesday night. I took a nine o'clock flight out of Miami and I was back on a two thirty flight to Miami the next day. Oof. So I basically flew in, slept for three hours, did the show and left. And I thought a lot about it, but that was a situation where I was like, I have to do this. It's a huge opportunity. These are, this is one of the things I've been working for. So I just have to do it. And I think it's just knowing the difference, I guess, yeah. if that and, makes sense. And I think your point about boundaries is so important. And it's also a lot of it, it's maybe less advice for people entering the industry because I know that looks so different for everyone. And yes. it depends so much too on like, you know, what pipelines are open to you, where you're able to get opportunities. And that obviously it looks very different for um, different people. But I think- some of it too is kind of once we are in the industry of like putting that pressure back on institutions of like, no, 
this isn't right. Um, Mm -hmm. No, we should be treating people better here. I I think so often of the example of how there's still unpaid internships. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we like, it'll wrongfully get criticized of the people taking them when it's like, no, we should be mad at these publications for still not paying their interns for like doing work. And I don't know, I think there's just so many industry wide things that could be better to make it more equitable for everyone and to give more people opportunities. Um, But it's hard when you're trying to figure that out, getting in of, oh, well, you know, what if I work two jobs on the side and do this while I'm also, you know, taking these classes or things like that. Um, And, you know, that kind of goes back to why there isn't diversity in this industry and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is the boundaries is really important once we're in the industry too, of like, how do we also make this better for the next group of people coming up? Absolutely. And, and I think with boundaries, it's important to know, especially for people first coming to the industry. It's one thing to say, yes, I can work that extra few hours because knowing it might lead to an opportunity. It's another thing to say, yes, is something you're just not comfortable doing. And I think yeah. that's a really important line to know if you're not comfortable, then do not do it. Yeah. Um, And it's, again, it's so tricky when, you know, you don't want to eliminate opportunities in the future, but I think that's where maybe like a bit more pressure on people who are already in to be like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, I worked those crazy hours when I started, but like, that's not right. The next group of, you know, sports Mm -hmm. reporters should not be having something like that. Yes. I think that's, that's very true. We'll get there in theory. Yeah. <laughs> but I think talking about it is a big, you know, it is a big start because you have to bring attention to an issue. And that's, I, I think, a, at least the beginning of change. Yeah. And just, you know, not putting it on like, oh, well, like I went through this. So like they should have to go through it too. Like, no, let's just root for better for everyone. And yes. that will, we'll all be healthier, tell better stories, have better representation for it. Like these are all positive things sorry you had to go through that, but like, let's get it better for the next group. Yes. Cause I think too often it's like, well, if I had to do it, they do too. And it should not be that way. Right. Right. You, you definitely don't want it to be that way, but that's sometimes easier, easier said than done for people to enact it. So I'm glad yeah. that glad we're talking about it uh, because I think it, it really helps that, that situation. Um, kind of along uh, different, but maybe along the same lines. Is there a criticism you received early in your career, maybe even when you were in college that was difficult, but ended up being really helpful for you? Yeah, I think a lot of the critiques always came back to just like, you need to just go a little bit further, try a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember the name of the photographer, because again, these were um, photojournalism classes, but there was advice from a famous photographer I want to say Robert Kappa, but I could be wrong of, you know, if your photo is not good enough, get closer. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes that was very literal advice of just like, take your body and the camera and get closer to your subject, get closer to the moment that's happening. But I think too, just the idea of like, try to push yourself to like, understand a little more what's going on, go a little deeper, um, which is scary. Sometimes I Mm -hmm. remember in just like a, um, a sense of like, oh, I'm trying to like, let these people let me into their lives. How do I tell their story without like, you know, overstepping without 
being annoying without being in the way. Um, and I, I think maybe that's part of what I like about writing is not having to navigate that with all my camera gear. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think the prevailing idea was always just like, you know, take one step more to really understand what's going on so you can tell this story and tell it well. Um so I think that's something, you know, even if it's not literal photograph technique advice at this point, still stands um, out to me. This might sound like a weird question, but do you think that your time studying photography, studying documentary helps you really visualize a story in a different way? No, it's a great question. And I think that's something I didn't really realize until actually when I was talking to an editor at the Buffalo News in the application process where he kind of stepped back and was like, you see how this is showing up in your stories, right? And I was like, oh, well, now I do, very obviously. (laughs) Um, Especially with like long form writing, I like trying to work scenes into my stories and trying to let the reader feel like they were there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I think so much of that does go back to documentary days of we had a really big emphasis for some of these classes. And again, this was more for like longer documentary style versus broadcast style. And those both have perfectly good times and places and different ways to tell stories. So not to say like, this is the only way to do it, but we had a big emphasis in some of our classes of like, you should not have any narration in your videos. You shouldn't have, you should avoid at any cost, like a title slide or, you know, those slides with words and the transition of explaining things because like you should be getting enough stuff to tell the story without working yourself into it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I don't think that's advice that you can translate to every story, but I think it really got into my head of, you know, tell the story of what you're seeing, of what people are saying and kind of just let it unfold itself. Um, And so it doesn't show up in every story, but I like I do a lot of anecdotes within my stories and some like just like writing more about moments um, instead of just like back to back quotes and stuff like that. And I like doing mm-hmm. it. And and yeah, to your point, I think it goes back to to those classes. Can you take us through a day in the life of Catherine Fitzgerald? And you can pick it can be a day, a, a practice day. It could be a training camp day. It could be game day. It could be a day that has absolutely nothing to do with work, but uh, just a day in the life that you would be comfortable sharing with us. Yeah. Um, and (laughs) it's a good point how they're so different from day to day. Um, (laughs) especially this time of year where there's a lot of routine, but a Sunday is very different than a Tuesday versus a Thursday. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess right now, Wednesdays are maybe one of the busier days for me. Um, so it's a little different at this point in the season. Um, the bills are doing a lot of walkthroughs partially because the season is longer now. Um, but I would say earlier in the season, that would be a day where like, I would head over to the facility kind of early. Um, we would do our COVID tests that day. So get there, Mm -hmm. test. Then I would usually go get coffee during like a kind of like an awkward enough in between of like, Oh, I, I need to be over at the facility, which is like 25 minutes from where I live. Um, But then Sean McDermott doesn't talk for a bit. Um, So I'll go get coffee. 
then we'll have the coaches press conference. Then there's like a small break and then it's practice. Um, in between practice and player interviews, I would try to knock out a few small things. Um, some days more successful than others. Some days mm -hmm. genuinely just like scrolling social media for a bit, which, <laughs> you know, I will own up to. Um, but we also trying to, yeah, trying to kind of game plan my stories for the rest of the week too. If I haven't reached that point yet of like, oh, okay, who do I need to request today so I can talk to them tomorrow so I can write that story for Friday. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of strategizing on Wednesdays to get ready for the rest of the week. Um, and sometimes done in advance, but like the final steps of like, oh no, you need to like write your questions for this interview tomorrow so that you'll have time in between this press conference and writing up the injury report. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, a little different now that we're back on Zoom sometimes for the Wednesday walkthroughs, but usually earlier in the year, it was Josh Allen, Jordan Poyer, maybe one other player, and then Stefan Diggs towards the end, um, who is hysterical in a very entertaining <laughs> press conference. So that was usually the tail end of Wednesday. Um, we split up transcribing on the beat. So okay. You know, maybe take half of Steph's press conference and drop it in a Google Doc. But then Wednesdays, all right, are we call it the main story, but that's more just like the newspaper term for, you know, this one's here and then there's the injury report on the side. Um, okay. So, you know, usually between those guys, there's enough to go off of, but maybe I've already decided, like, oh, I want to ask each of these players about this theme or this topic and get something a little different than usual. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, again, it's trickier right now of trying to distinguish coverage when we're all at the same press conferences. Right. Um, and especially to starting on a new beat. Um, that was a hard part also was going into the season when I thought I was still going to be in Arizona. I was like, Oh, I've got all these story ideas that I already know I want to follow up on. And then I was like, surprise, <laughs> those are about players on a team you no longer cover. Um, yeah, it'd so be weird was, for you to write about Kyler Murray on the Bills. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's not really going to, not going to work as well. Um, but I, I think that's a hard part of changing jobs for anyone in this industry is mm -hmm. once you're in the same place long enough, you are like, oh, these are all the threads I want to keep following up on. And now I'm going to start all over. Um but so I think I started to hit that stride just in the last couple weeks, really. Um, still haven't fully hit it, but compared to like November, even feeling better there. Um, all that being said, we'll file those stories, um, sometimes two on Wednesdays of the main story and then all the injury notes and other small things of, you know, just little news nuggets um, that we want to make sure we cover. And then that's my longest day of writing. Um, so by then I'm usually pretty tired and I'm not a great cook, so I don't really cook anything too cool or something like that. I'm also still trying to get to know Buffalo via food. So maybe okay. I'll like, go grab dinner somewhere, um, try a new spot just to continue to get to know a new city. And um, I don't know. I still – I spend a lot of my day trying to catch up with friends in different states um, sometimes read a little bit, uh, mostly on my phone, just from like other news 
sources and stuff like that and eventually just go to bed. I was going to say let cat postmate. Yeah. Oh, I should have. <laughs> Man, I missed that opportunity. That's right. You know what? That's yours and you feel free to use it anytime you want. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like, anytime after a long game. Like, yep. Feel free. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big playoff game. Very exciting. Whatever it is. Exhausting. Feel That's yours. Absolutely. I'll be like, look, we, we manifested this. Uh-huh. Here we go. Let cat post me. Yeah. Um, uh, well, this has been awesome. I've loved talking to you. I really was so excited to have you on and it's been an awesome conversation. But before I let you go, we obviously have to do five fun facts. Uh, and I think you know this. I do them with the 49ers players, which is always fun for lack of a better term. But uh, on, on, on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions, uh, which is fun. Again, I just keep saying that word because uh, it's accurate. These, it when is it's accurate. True, it's, it's true. And it's very on brand and it really, it really fits. Uh, but then we get all these different answers and, and we learn even more about our guests. So without further ado, five fun facts with Catherine Fitzgerald. Catherine, what's your favorite moment in sports? Oh, that's such a good question. There are so many. Um, I think like a lot of Olympic moments stand out, but maybe okay. the the top one for me, um, when UNC men's basketball team won the championship um, a few years ago, it was, you know, one year after they lost on a buzzer beater in um, the March Madness final. But I think that was just such a to have to win a championship a year after a yeah. heartbreaking game like that, I I love a good theme of like redemption and we're back, we did it, and this is magical now because of all that pain from last year, which was still so real. But now mm-hmm. look at what we did. I thought that was just really cool, both from a I mean, the school I love seeing them win from that standpoint, but also from a storytelling standpoint. Um not that I was writing anything about it. I was enjoying solely as a fan, but just, I thought that was a really cool story arc. What is your life motto? Oh, um, I don't know that I have a really cool one. Um, I guess if we're on a UNC basketball theme for a second here, um, the phrase they use a lot, point the passer, which is Mm -hmm. in like a very basketball sense of like, you know, point to the guy who gave you an assist after you had a big play. But Mm -hmm. I think just kind of, honoring everyone who's helped me get to where I am and, you know, realizing that that's a lot of people who have helped in a lot of ways and just always giving them credit, even if it's, um, you know, however it shows up for me, just looking back to everyone who's helped along the way. Go to workout. Um, I have been running in the airport a lot these days. Not on on purpose. (laughs) Um, just, I think people who know me, I'm a little chaotic when it comes to getting to the airport and I have been testing that all season. So I've had to sprint (laughs) through the airport a couple of times this year, but I am stronger for it. Go-to coffee order? Um, Iced latte, real basic. It's, I'm not doing iced as much these days as it is cold in Buffalo, but, um, (laughs) but that was a big go-to. A book every woman should read. I think that's a really good question too. And I couldn't think of a good one. I think it was more for me of just keep reading a lot. I find Mm -hmm. so much, um, I find it's really cool the more I read of like 
what we were saying before of seeing like, oh, this person experienced this also, or wow, that's so totally different than me. And, but I find a lot of comfort in being like, oh, here's like something that I felt too. Here's something that I'm not alone in this happening to me. And I really like essay collections for that. Um, World of Wonders is one that I read recently that I really loved. So I don't know that I have like this one book is, is a catch-all for everyone, but just, I don't know. I think it's so cool to find those shared experiences and it comes from reading more and more. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today, Catherine. Of course. This was really, it was fun. So oh, there we go. Very, yeah. very on friend. It's our word of the day. Uh, if you, if yeah, you guys, Absolutely. I was very, very happy to have you. As I said, and it, it was just awesome. And if you guys like what you heard, which I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Talk to everybody later. Bye, all For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.